24-hour shifts and, and, and going on service calls with these men and women uh, and helping people and, and experiencing to some cer- a certain extent that love was, was very, very touching for me. And, and as an outsider, I looked at this and I was, I was curious. What is it that makes these men and women, women different? What do they have? I want that. I want to be a part of that. In our text that we're looking at today, Paul is calling us as the church to do that very same thing as, as those firefighters. So before we dive too far into Romans 12.10, first, I want to I recap a little bit the, the context here uh, that has gotten us up to Romans 12.10. So if you remember a few weeks ago, uh, Ricardo started us off in verses 1 and 2, uh, where Paul tells us to, to worship in response to all that God has done for us. And and to constantly uh, renew our mind from the conforming nature of this world so that we might receive better discernment or the very will of God. And then the following week, Dave walked us through verses 3 through 8 where Paul, he gives us that analogy of us as a church being one body. So Paul says we are one body. We all have, we all bring different gifts to the table. No, no, No one gift or one person is any better than any other. But we should essentially uh, play our roles in the body well, the body being the church. And then last week, uh, Paul starts off this, this kind of a mini-series on love, where he gives us short little jabs about what true love, especially in the biblical context, really looks like. And, and Ricardo led us through that in verse 9, where Paul tells us to love genuinely and abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. And that brings us to Romans 12.10 today, where Paul tells us to do two things as a biblical community. He tells us to love one another with brotherly affection and to outdo one another in showing honor. And if you're a note taker, you don't need to take notes. Just read Romans 12.10 because that's literally what it says. Love one another with brotherly affection. They give us the hard verse today for, for the pastoral residents. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So, Let's break these down one, one at a time here. First, Paul tells us to love one another with brotherly affection. So if you're not familiar, the New Testament of the Bible was written in Greek. And the ancient Greeks had four words for love. It's kind of different than, than us in English. We have one word for love. Love. Uh, I love steak and I love my wife. Two very different meanings, right? Well, the Greeks had four different words for that. Those four words were philia, storge, Agape and eros. Don't worry, there's not a test. Uh, that last word, eros, referred to a sexual love. It's not found in the New Testament, so you can kick that one out of your brain. Only left with three. The next one, agape, you might be a little bit more familiar with. That one referred to, to God's love for us or, or our love for God. That's how we see it used a lot in the New Testament. And we actually saw that word last week in verse 9. Uh, when Ricardo said, when Ricardo was reading Paul's uh, verse 9 here in Romans 12, Paul says, let love, agape, be genuine. So that word is used there. The final two words, there's philia, which is, uh, think of this like it's a, a deep love between friends. So if you have that friend from, from high school or college, uh, maybe it's your significant other, but, well, actually, hopefully not your significant other, because what I was going to say is you can go amount of time, six months or a year, without talking to that person. So, not your significant other. Uh, best friend from high school or college. And you can go an ex- extreme amount of time without, without talking to that person, but when you get back on the phone with them, or you Facebook message them, or whatever you guys do now, uh, it's like no time has passed. 
That's that deep friendship love. You go a long time, but it's like no time has passed. And then there's storge, which, which is a, a deep affection between uh, family. And anytime we say that word family, I think we'd be remiss if we, we didn't acknowledge that some of us hear that word family and we say, no, I, I don't want anything to do with that. There's nothing with family that, but hurt and fear or shame. But what Paul is saying here with this word storge is, is none of those things. It's what God enacted family to be. It is the biblical portrait of family, like God the Father and his love for us as children, children of God. So these last two words, philia and storge, we find those in verse 10. So that's significant because that means we find all three words for love in these two verses which uh, I think shows that Paul is really trying to paint a portrait for us here of, of what love looks like, of how we should live as a biblical community. So first we see uh, Paul says, love one another. And we find that word storge, which is that uh, deep family love uh, there. He says, love one another, and it's that sense of, of a, t- a tender, kind, caring, protective, affectionate love for one another. And and he follows that by saying that we should love one another with brotherly affection. And the word that he uses there, I think we're actually, we've all heard. It's uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So Paul is saying there that we should love one another with brotherly affection or that that deep friendship, like that friend uh, that you go a year without talking to and it's like no time has passed. So when we tie these things together, what Paul is saying is that we should have a special affection for one another that sets us apart from others in our lives. That, that we're family in the body of believers. And, and uh, it, this, this special connection really uh, firms up a deep friendship for us. Of, these, of this deep friendship, of these four words, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves. And, and he talks about this deep friendship. He says, In friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward for our discriminating a good taste and finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. So this deep friendship is an instrument for God that that we could see and get just a taste, just a glimpse of of the beauties and the depth of the, the love that God has for us. That we can see that in others around us, in our community. And, um, and what's interesting about this point, Paul uses these three words. He's very emphatic here, love one another. But he's actually not the originator of this idea. In fact, Jesus says this same thing in John 13, 34 to 35. He says, uh, a new commandment I give to you, that you have love for one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So there are two interesting things about about this verse that that stuck out to me. One, Jesus says, commands us to love one another three times. 
He's like, hey, love one another. No, seriously, love one another. And then he repeats it a third time. This is very emphatic. He means this. And then the second thing, in doing what Jesus does so well, he kind of uh, knows our questions before we ask them. The, The inherent question is, well, why, Jesus? Why should we love one another? And he gives us two answers in this text. The first is simply because he loved us first. So because he loved us, we ought to love one another. And then he also tells us, by this, others will know that we are his disciples. So it's a witnessing opportunity for those uh, around us. So Paul is saying that, that God loves you. And if you love God, then you ought to love those who belong to him. This, this, the sense that we are children of God should foster a sense of unity, uh, affection, and friendship uh, among us. So going back to my time with the fire department, those, those men and women didn't come on to the job just automatically loving uh, the, the others that worked in the firehouse that they were assigned. That was something that took time. They, they went out to the community. They served the community. They, they um, put others above themselves together, strangers um, and other firefighters. And, and they spent time with each other. They shared meals. They celebrated together. They cried with one another after hard calls. Similarly with us as, as Christians, Paul is calling us to live, to do life together, to live in community and allow the roots to grow so that this, this brotherly affection would, would sprout up and continue to grow among us as a church. So, so love one another with brotherly affection. <clears throat> the next thing Paul says is, is to outdo one another in showing honor. The word that Paul uses here is, gives a sense of, of going before in showing honor or to lead one another in showing honor. Uh, there's no sense of self-fulfillment. There's, there's no pride, no reciprocity. Like, if I honor them, then they have to honor me, right? No, that's, that's not what he's saying. In fact, he, there is a sense of urgency here. Paul is saying, don't wait around to be recognized or, or appreciated, but, but always be on alert for ways that you can ser- serve others and, and show honor to, to your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a sense of, of true humility. Of this, Tim, Tim Keller describes it as a self-forgetfulness. Uh, he says, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It's thinking of myself less. So we are to think of ourselves less and show honor to, to others, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So how do we show honor? I think the way that we show honor is to show someone their worth, right? To, to show honor is to esteem or to value, to show someone their worth. But there was a question as I was, as I was thinking about this, what is worth? How do we describe worth? What does that word mean, really? I think the way that we describe worth is simply how much you're willing to pay for something. So an example of that, if I, if I pull out a rock and I say, how much would you pay me for this rock? You'd probably laugh in my face. But if I pulled out a diamond, another kind of rock, uh, and I asked you, how much is this worth to you? How much would you pay for me? Now we're talking, right? It's the five C's, color, cut, clarity, and the other two, whatever. <laughs> it's been a while. <clears throat> um, but, but there's an inherent worth of a diamond, right? We can measure that. We can see it. We all know that diamonds are worth something. Well, they're worth something because we're willing to pay something for them. 
So if we take that idea of worth and, and we think about this, and Paul's telling us to, to show honor or to show each other our worth, um, even for people within the body of Christ that we might not want to. There might be some people who we might actually think, ah, how do I do that? Maybe, maybe we don't think that they deserve it. Maybe they're just mean, even in the body of Christ. Well, if we take that idea of worth and we shift our perspective a little bit um, and we apply that to ourselves, we can see that to Jesus, we were worth everything. To Jesus, Jesus gave up everything so that we could be with him for eternity. So when we shift our focus into this new framework, uh, and we open up our hearts to the work of the Holy Spirit, we see that, that God thinks we are worth everything, then something begins to change in our heart. See, because if, if Jesus honors you, if Jesus paid it all for you, he thinks you're worth everything, who am I to do any different? The only way that we can outdo one another in showing honor is to look to Jesus' love for us, our own story. What was I worth to Jesus? Everything. So how do we sum up Romans 12.10? What do we walk away with here? Well, I think the core of what Paul is saying is we are family. We should lead the way in loving one another and serving one another. And, and I think that, that Paul presents a beautiful cycle here in Romans 12.10 because when we love someone, we naturally want to serve them. We naturally want to honor them. We naturally want to show them their worth. But on the flip side of that, when we serve someone, when we, we intentionally put someone above ourselves, we begin to love them. So, so that first one, when we love someone and we, serve, we want to serve them, I think a lot of us, most of us probably can relate to that. I, I, I love my wife. I want to serve her. I want to honor her. I want her to, I want to show her her worth. If you have kids, you, you love your kids. You want to put them above yourself. Or even if you've just, you know, courted or dated, you want to put your best face forward and you want that person to feel really special, right? So we get that. When we love someone, we want to serve them. But that second one, when, when you serve someone, you begin to love them. That might be a little bit more tricky to think about, but I, I think about when I, when I first started coming to Redemption, uh, my Redemption community started this service project where we were going to teach English to Somali refugees. So uh, I didn't know any Somali refugees. Uh, I wasn't sure that I even knew anyone from Somalia, and I'd never taught English before. Um, I think I have a decent grasp of it, but um, I'd never done that. But I just, I wanted to serve, and, and our, our community wanted to serve. So we adopted this project, and, and we'd go on Monday nights, and we'd, we'd teach these Somali refugees English. And at the end of the semester, these, these Somali refugees all brought in a bunch of food and, and threw a big party for us. And, um, and, and I realized at that point, I had learned their stories. They had learned about me. And as I was leaving that, that party that night, I was like, I'm really going to miss them. In that time that, that I was serving them and we as a community were serving these Somali refugees, um, we started to develop a heart for them. So I guess my challenge there would be try honoring and serving someone and, and intentionally putting them above yourself and not growing a heart for them. 
So when you naturally serve someone, you, love, you start to love them. And when you love someone, you want to serve them. And in that, the roots of community are planted, and in this brotherly, affectionate bond that Paul is talking about begins to grow. So, why should we do this? You might be, you might be here, and you're, that, that question keeps cropping up in your mind. Why do this? Why open myself up to be vulnerable to strangers? It's so countercultural. That's not what we do here. Why would anyone do this? Well, the simple answer is because Jesus did it for you. See, we serve a God who, who took on flesh, who lived a perfect life, who died the death that we deserve. Romans 5.8 says that, that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And he died for us so that we could be with him forever. And he commanded us to do the same for each other, to love one another in that deep way and put each other above ourselves. Imagine if we truly lived this verse out. Imagine if if we truly loved and cared for one another like a family. If we developed deep bonds with one another and allowed others to do the same with us. If we completely served one another. If we we continued to remind each other of our total worth to Jesus. What kind of testimony would that show to the world? Well, I think like me, uh, in in those ride-alongs with the fire department... People would be curious. What makes them different? How do I get that? Conversations would arise and and opportunities would present themselves for us to share about this whole and perfect love that our God gives to us. A love so deep that he was willing to go to the cross so that we could be with him for eternity. to, To show us how much we are worth to him. So church, remember, we are family. Love one another. Serve one another. Amen? Let's pray.